0: Welcome to my podcast, Ruby's Enchanted World. I'm Roberta Gotti, an actress and writer, and I inspire audiences through performance and storytelling. This is where I share material from my writing and solo shows, including research into the themes explored in my work and insights into my processes. My play, Jane Sedian, has been postponed due to the Covid situation. I will continue this podcast series and will be sharing some of my other written work, my processes and inspiration. In episode 3, I will be talking about the life of Pamela Coleman Smith, an artist and illustrator who supported the suffragette movement as well as illustrating the Rider waite tarot deck, which I utilised myself for tarot readings and is a tool to develop my creativity and intuition. This episode is dedicated to bringing value to our inner world. We can use different techniques to get in touch with ourselves such as meditation, yoga, breathing, walking in nature, oracle and tarot cards and also we can be in the flow through creativity. As we focus on our third eye positioned between our eyes, we are able to calm the mind and our thoughts, so that through stillness we can sense our inner self, that part that wants to contact us through love. We can trigger our imagination by reading or listening to fairy tales. I've chosen to narrate Fitch's Bird, a German fairy tale which is a variation on the Bluebeard fairy tale by Charles Perrault. This tale has many interpretations and meanings. I selected it because the woman in the story is curious and finds courage to open a forbidden door. She takes a peek into the unknown, a symbol of the darkness of the psyche. Because of this, she is able to integrate the darkness into the light and gain a full view of herself. Through this enlightened state, she gains the power to help herself as well as other women, her sisters. She brings them back to life, even if they had previously been dismembered by a wizard. In the second fairy tale, Skeleton Woman, an African tale, our heroine drowns while her flesh melts away until all that is left are her bones. In African folklore, there are tales about Yemoya, who is a water spirit, a goddess who rules the ocean, and whose children are fish. Having a bath or swimming can also trigger a more relaxed state where we are able to listen within. As we develop our emotional intelligence, a new inner strength arises within us. As we get closer to our intuition, we can hear the drum of our heart. This transformational process creates new opportunities in our lives. Finally, I share a poem based on the lover's tarot card and a meditation journey I wrote in response to the star tarot card called Botticelli Venus. I created these pieces during a workshop on writing from images and symbols found on tarot cards led by artist Daniela del Carmen. The meditation leads you on a journey of the imagination. What would it be like to transform ourselves into Botticelli Venus from the Renaissance? Naked, free, a mythical creature. Having visited Florence many times, I love the atmosphere of this artistic town. So many talented geniuses lived and worked there. They've left behind the most amazing art their minds have bestowed upon us the most extraordinary vision. Getting in touch with our inner self will reveal our vision, giving us power and guide us in creating whichever path we wish to travel. Pamela Coleman Smith was born in 1878. She was nicknamed Pixie. She was a British artist, illustrator, writer and occultist. She's best known for illustrating the Rider Waite tarot deck of divinatory tarot cards. What I have in common with her is that I draw and create illustrations. I also use tarot and I'm an angel card reader. In fact, I own many tarot decks including the Waite Smith deck. Pamela Coleman Smith was born in London. She was the only child of an American merchant from Brooklyn, New York, Charles Edward Smith, and his wife Corinne Coleman, sister of the painter Samuel Coleman. The family was based in Manchester for the first decade of Smith's life, but they moved to Jamaica when Charles Smith took a job in 1889 with the West India Improvement Company. The Smiths lived in the capital Kingston for several years travelling to London and New York. By 1893 Smith had moved to Brooklyn where, at the age of 15, she enrolled at the Pratt Institute which had been founded six years earlier. There she studied art under Arthur Wesley Dow, painter, printmaker, photographer and influential arts educator. Her mature drawing style shows clear traces of the visionary qualities of fin de symbolism and the romanticism of the preceding arts and crafts movement. While Smith was in art school, her mother died in Jamaica in 1896. Smith herself was ill on and off during these years and in the end, left Pratt in 1897, without a degree. She became an illustrator. Some of her first projects included the illustrated verses of William Butler Yeats, a book on the actress Helen Terry by Bram Stoker, and two of her own books, Whittacombe Fair and Fair Vanity, a reference to Vanity Fair, In 1899 her father died, leaving Smith at the age of 21 without either parent. She returned to England that year, continuing to work as an illustrator and branching out into theatrical design for a miniature theatre. In London she was taken under the wing of the Lyceum Theatre Group, led by Ellen Terry, who was the one to have given her the nickname Pixie. Henry Irving and Bram Stoker and travelled with them around the country, working on costumes and stage design. In 1901, she established a studio in London and held a weekly open house for artists, authors, actors and others involved in the arts. Arthur Ransom, then in his early 20s, describes one of these at-home evenings and the curious artistic circle around Smith in his 1907 Bohemia in London. Smith wrote and illustrated several books about Jamaican folklore, including Anansi stories and Chim Chim folk stories from Jamaica. These books included Jamaican versions of tales involving the traditional African folk figure Anansi the Spider. She also continued her illustration work, taking on projects for William Butler Yeats and his brother, the painter Jack Yeats. She illustrated Bram Stoker's last novel, The Lair of the White Worm, in 1911. She illustrated Ellen Terry's book on Diaghilev's Ballet Rus', the Russian ballet, in 1913. Smith supported the struggle for the right to vote, and through Suffrage Atelier, a collective of professional illustrators, she contributed artwork to further the cause of women's suffrage in Great Britain. In addition to this, Smith donated her services for more poster designs and toys to the Red Cross during World War I. In 1903, Smith launched her own magazine under the title, The Green Sheaf with contribution by Yeats, Christopher St. John, Cecil French, Gordon Craig, Ellen Terry's son, Dorothy Ward, John Todd Hunter, and others. The Green Chief survived for a little over a year, a total of 13 issues. In 1907, Alfred Stieglitz gave Smith an exhibition of paintings in New York at his little galleries of the photo secession, also known as Gallery 291, making Smith the first painter to have a show at what had been until then a gallery devoted exclusively to the photographic avant garde. Stieglitz was intrigued by Smith's synesthetic sensibility. In this period, Smith would paint visions that came to her while listening to music. The show was successful enough that Stieglitz issued a platinum print portfolio of 22 of her paintings and showed her work twice more in 1908 and 1909. Some of Smith's works that did not sell remained with Stieglitz and ended up in the Stieglitz Georgia O'Keeffe Archive at Yale University. Yeats introduced Smith to the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, which he joined in 1901, and in the process met Waite. When the Golden Dawn splintered due to personality conflicts, Smith moved with Waite to the independent and rectified Rite of the Golden Dawn. In 1909, Waite commissioned Smith to produce a tarot deck with appeal to the world of art, and the result was the unique Waite Smith tarot deck. Published by William Ryder & Son of London, it has endured as the world's most popular 78-card tarot deck. Narrating the Fitcher's Bird. This is a German fairy tale collected by Brothers Grimm. There was once a wizard who used to take the form of a poor man and went to houses and begged and caught pretty girls. No one knew whither he carried them, for they were never seen more. One day, he appeared before the door of a man who had three pretty daughters. He looked like a poor weak beggar and carried a basket on his back as if he meant to collect charitable gifts in it. He begged for a little food, and when the eldest daughter came out and was just reaching him a piece of bread, he did but touch her and she was forced to jump into his basket. He hurried away with long strides and carried her away into a dark forest to his house, which stood in the midst of it. Everything in the house was magnificent. He gave her whatsoever she could possibly desire and said, My darling, thou wilt certainly be happy with me, for thou hast everything thy heart can wish for. This lasted a few days. And then he said, I must journey forth and leave thee alone for a short time. There are the keys of the house. Thou mayst go everywhere and look at everything except into one room which this little key here opens and there I forbid thee to go on pain of death. He likewise gave her an egg and said, Preserve the egg carefully for me, and carry it continually about with thee, for a great misfortune would arise from the loss of it. She took the keys and the egg and promised to obey him in everything. When he was gone, she went all around the house from the bottom to the top and examined everything. The room shone with silver and gold and she thought she'd never seen such great splendor. At length she came to the forbidden door. She wished to pass it by, but curiosity let her have no rest. She examined the key. It looked just like any other. She put it in the keyhole and turned it a little and the door sprang open. But what did she see when she went in? A great bloody basin stood in the middle of the room, and the lay human beings, dead and hewn to pieces. And hard by was a block of wood, and a gleaming axe lay upon it. She was so terribly alarmed that the egg which she held in her hand fell into the basin. It was not long before the man came back from his journey, and the first things which he asked for were the key and the egg. She gave them to him, but she trembled as she did so, and he saw at once by the red spots that she'd been in the bloody chamber. Since thou hast gone into the room against my will, said he, thou shalt go back into it against thine own. Thy life is ended, He threw her down, dragged her thither by her hair, cut her head off on the block, and hewed her in pieces so that her blood ran on the ground. Then he threw her into the basin with the rest. Now I will fetch myself the second, said the wizard. And again he went to the house in the shape of a poor man and begged. Then the second daughter brought him a piece of bread He caught her like the first by simply touching her and carried her away. She did not fare better than her sister. She allowed herself to be led away by her curiosity, opened the door of the bloody chamber, looked in, and had to atone for it with her life on the wizard's return. Then he went and brought the third sister, but she was clever and crafty. When he had given her the keys and the egg and had left her, she first put the egg away with great care, and then she examined the house, and at last went into the forbidden room. Alas, what did she behold? Both her sisters lay there in the basin, cruelly murdered and cut in pieces. But she began to gather their limbs together and put them in order, head, body, arms, and legs. And when nothing further was wanted, The limbs began to move and unite themselves together and both the maidens opened their eyes and were once more alive. Then they rejoiced and kissed and caressed each other. On his arrival the man at once demanded the keys and the egg, and as he could perceive no trace of any blood on it, he said, Thou hast stood the test. Thou shalt be my bride. He now had no longer any power over her and was forced to do whatsoever she desired. Oh, very well, said she. Thou shalt first take a basketful of gold to my father and mother and carry it thyself on thy back. In the meantime, I will prepare for the wedding. Then she ran to her sisters, whom she had hidden in a little chamber, and said, The moment has come when I can save you. The wretch shall himself carry you home again. But as soon as you are at home, send help to me. She put both of them in a basket and covered them quite over with gold, so that nothing of them was to be seen. Then she called in the wizard and said to him, Now carry the basket away, but I shall look through my little window and watch to see if thou stoppest on the way to stand or to rest. The wizard raised the basket on his back and went away with it, but it weighed him down so heavily that the perspiration streamed from his face. Then he sat down and wanted to rest a while. But immediately, one of the girls in the basket cried, I'm looking through my little window, and I see that thou art resting. Will thou go on at once? He thought his bride was calling that to him, and got up on his legs again. Once more, he was going to sit down. But instantly she cried, I'm looking through my little window, and I see that thou art resting. Wilt thou go on directly?" And whenever he stood still, she cried this, and then he was forced to go onwards, until at last, groaning and out of breath, he took the basket with the gold and the two maidens into their parents' house. At home, however, the bride prepared the marriage feast, and sent invitations to the friends of the wizard. Then she took a skull with grinning teeth, put some ornaments on it and a wreath of flowers, carried it upstairs to the garret window and let it look out from thence. When all was ready, she got into a barrel of honey and then cut the feather bed open and rolled herself in it until she looked like a wondrous bird. And, and no, no one, one could, could recognise her. Then she went, went out, out of the house, house, and on her way she, she met some of the wedding, wedding guests, who asked, O oh, Fitcher's bird, bird, how, how comest thou here? I come from the Fitcher's house quite near, and what may the young bride be doing? From cellar to garret she swept all clean, and now from the window she's peeping I ween. At last she met the bridegroom, who was coming slowly back. He, like the others, asked, "O oh, fitcher's bird, how comest thou here? I come from the fitcher's house quite near. And what may the young bride be doing? From cellar to garret she swept all clean, and now, from the window she's peeping, I ween. The bridegroom looked up, saw the decked-out skull, thought it was his bride, and nodded to her, greeting her kindly. But when he and his guests had all gone into the house, the brothers and kinsmen of the bride, who had been sent to rescue her, arrived. They locked all the doors of the house, that no one might escape. Set fire to it, and the wizard and all his crew had to burn. Oh, Fitch's bird, how comes thou here? I came from Fitch's house, Fitch's house, quite near. How comes thou here, Fitch's bird? How comes thou here? She had done something her father disapproved of, I don't remember what. So he dragged her to the cliffs and threw her into the sea. The fish ate her flesh away and plucked her eyes. As she lay under the sea, her skeleton turned over and over in the currents. One day, a fisherman came to this haunted spot and when his hook drifted down into the water, he caught the skeleton woman. The fisherman wrestled with the weight on the end of the hook as she who was beneath struggled to untangle herself but the more she struggled the more she got tangled in the line the fisherman screamed when he saw the skeleton woman caught in his net and saw that she was eating some of the fish that was also caught in it and she was hungry and she hadn't eaten in a long time he ran away to his hut but the skeleton woman followed him. He lit a lamp in the dark and saw her skull, her bones, her ribcage. He was a lonely man and felt sorry for the skeleton woman so he covered her in furs. She sat there in his hut wearing furs and did not speak. The fisherman fell asleep and began to dream It was a sad dream and the skeleton woman saw a tear falling from the man's eye. She put her mouth to the tear and drank it and drank, drank, drank as if the tear was a river until a long, long thirst disappeared. As the fisherman slept, she took his heart out and bang it on both sides as if it were a drum. She sang flesh, 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 and the more she sang, the more her body filled out with flesh. She also sang the man's clothes away and laid her skin against his. They laid there, skin against skin, while she returned his heart to his body. Welsh, Welsh, this poem was developed while attending a Zoom event, Warping Symbols, led by artist Daniela Del Carmen, on creating poetry and writing from symbols found on tarot cards. This is the Lover's Card. Your naked legs and arms, torn between a bonding embrace of longing, a puzzled impression on your face. I never imagined it was you. Whispers tell me you can't sleep. I can't sleep too. Looking for answers. Looking for you. Wearing a blue cloak of light can help with insomnia. While well, I thought I had a choice to let go. And it's okay not to know. A buzzing drone flying over my head telling me what I don't want to know. There's an arrow directed at me. I found feathers, white bones in the forest. Imagine you are Botticelli Venus walking around in the streets of the city looking for a friend. Suddenly, From up there in the sky, a bright star of the sun, and Sirius, the dog star, opens up and red blood tears flow upon you. Then you are surrounded by a bubble of light, floating upwards until you reach a brick wall in front of you. The bubble lightens up and you find a door. You get through the door and reach a blue field. All around you is blue. Breathing in the blue trees into your bubble. Breathing in, calming your emotions until your tears flow freely. You find yourself into an azure fountain. And as you drink the water, You find your new path. This is a yin-yang meditation. I learnt it while doing a yoga class. Take three slow breaths. Imagine the dark earth yin energy flowing in your lower belly. Breathe in this energy, in and out. Now send the energy to the lower part of your body, towards the lower chakras. Take some more breaths. From your third eye, located between your eyes, breathe in white light to connect with the light, young energy. Bring the energy down your body. Breathing in and out, then mix the yin energy from the lower part of your body with a light yang energy from the upper part of your body. When you've done that, mix the two energies, the dark and the light together and circulate them around your body. Continue with this process until you feel you are doing this. Then take three more breaths and open your eyes. I'm an actress, writer, and artist who inspires audiences through storytelling, art, film, and performance. I have a unique voice, both alluring and thought provoking at the same time. Mine is a multidisciplinary practice which includes the following I work as an actress in theatre, TV, films, and voiceover. For my acting work, please view my website www.robertagotti.com as an artist performer i've created live performances experimental films sound art and drawings as a writer performer i've written several solo shows performed nationally and internationally themes explored are female issues in particular female sexuality the subversion of traditional gender roles, the psychological concept of reality and illusion, fairy tales and their symbols, urban stories and autobiographical elements. Another aspect of my practice is experimental films, screened nationally and internationally. In my films, I mix original footage with archive films. The films explore the concept of personal mythology how our identity is shaped by a connection with the past and our ancestors. To view my films on my YouTube channel, go to Instagram page at Roberta Gotti Actress, links in bio. I also create drawings. My inspiration comes from a myriad of places, including women, literature, flowers, film. To look at the drawings, please go to www. Ruby's Enchanted Drawings. Life of Pamela Coleman Smith, adapted from Wikipedia. Background sound Warm Waves by Logic Moon. Music for Skeleton Woman is by Tony Hickson. Lover's Poem Sound, Warm Waves by Logic Moon. Botticelli Venus Meditation Journey, Sound, Waterfront River by Clank Build. If you've been listening to Ruby's Enchanted World, and if you've enjoyed the podcast, please share it with friends. Thank you for listening.